Whether you're looking to build a website for your business, your hobby, your podcast, or just for fun, Pair Networks is your go-to web hosting partner. Not only do we have the lowest domain price in the industry, starting at just 11 bucks, we've got hundreds of stunning website templates to help you stand out from the crowd. You're not a techie? Not a problem. With our easy DIY site builders, you can launch your impressive website without any technical know-how. And when it comes to security and updates, don't worry, we've got you covered. Our 24-7 U.S.-based customer support is the best in the industry. Check out Pair.com today to learn more. P-A-I-R.com. Welcome, welcome. It's another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. Marcus Paff joined by Reggie Rizzo. On today's episode, it's not Mighty Mouse, it's Tidy Mouse. We'll explain. And Weird Wednesday, back again. Plus, this day in history, we send signals to the moon. Coming up on Cool Stuff Ride Home. Messy humans, I've got a message for you. If a mouse can tidy up, so can you. Lies. Rodney Holbrook. Lies. <laughs> Rodney Holbrook lives in Wales, and he recently started noticing certain items that he'd left out the night before were winding up in a small tray on the shelf in his tool shed the next day. So he set up a camera to find out why those objects were moving around and discovered a tidy mouse was cleaning up for him. I'm using air quotes as I say cleaning. The mystery actually began with some bird food that he stored in the shed, winding up in an old pair of shoes. Quote, it happens every night without fail, Holbrook told the Washington Post. He said the rodent, which he dubbed Welsh Tidy Mouse, usually works alone, but will occasionally be accompanied by one or two other mice. Isn't this a fairy tale? Didn't uh, mice or somebody help somebody create or build shoes or Cinderella make a dress? Is that what's happening here? Uh, I think you're right. I don't. I, I wanted to say Fivel, but I'm pretty sure he went west. I don't <laughs> yeah. know which mouse actually put something in a shoe or fixed shoes, but yeah, I think you're onto something there. So Holbrook said the mouse and its pals are apparently placing his left out items, which include nails, cable ties, and small tools, into a tray to hide their nuts, the nuts that they gathered. Quote, I don't bother to tidy up now. I leave things out of the box and they put it back in its place by the morning, end quote. Holbrook told that to the BBC. Garrett Davies, founder of Wales-based Pest and Property Solutions, said mice are miniature hoarders. Quote, mice are very inquisitive creatures and they are hoarders. They love hoarding food and everything else. It's in their nature. They are completely different to rats, end quote. Now, per UPI, another mouse went viral back in 2019 for something very similar, tidying up a man's shed in Bristol, England. Holbrook said he was familiar with the previous video as he'd actually helped that homeowner repair a wildlife camera. Quote, that one video went viral and reached people around the world, so I can't believe here in Bullith, Wales, we have had the same thing happen years later, end quote. I can't say, Reggie, that I was aware of this behavior in mice, but it does make sense as I think about it. My mind immediately went to squirrels that hide nuts for winter, of course. Uh, per a 2006 paper, by the way, by Robert Deacon, I did a little research on this. The paper first published in Nature Protocols, quote, hoarding is a species typical behavior shown by rodents as well as other animals. By hoarding, the rodent secures a food supply for times of emergency, for example, when threatened by a predator or for times of seasonal adversity such as winter. Scatter hoarding, as seen typically in squirrels and birds, involves placing small caches of food in hidden places, generally underground. Most rodents, however, hoard a supply of food in or near the home base, for example, in larders near the sleeping quarters in a burrow, end quote. I had to look up larders. Essentially, it equates to a cabinet of sorts. So I guess uh, mouse cabinets where they're storing 
this food just in case uh, when the time is right, they'll have it there for them. So uh, kind of a feel good story. You know, we, we, as we say, it's cool stuff. And I think that's kind of cool to learn something about how mice behave. And quite frankly, it was good for old Mr. Holbrook as well, because you know what? His tool shed got cleaned up. I joked about it being a fairy tale, but maybe that's how it all started. People noticed this behavior with mice and thought, hey, they're helping clean. We should put them in some type of story where they're doing the same thing. It's probably actually where it came from. <laughs> yeah, you probably right. I do think my children might be reincarnated mice. My son tends to have like little scraps of paper and other stuff hidden underneath his bed, his burrow. Like he just hoards <laughs> stuff there. And my daughter, I find little candy wrappers and candy hidden in places around the house. So maybe she's a squirrel reincarnated. She's got it all over the place. He keeps everything in one specific place. Well, what I've come to believe because of this story is that I need to hire a, a, a horde of mice to come into my house <laughs> and just keep things clean. And and that should all work out, right? I mean, I'll wake up in the morning, things will look spectacular, and I'll go about my day. Nobody's ever regretted lighting mice in their house. Yeah, multiple mice. <laughs> <laughs> it's always turned out well. Heading off to our Weird Wednesday segment, even though I don't know if it can get much weirder than mice tidying up after yourself. <laughs> I'm going to start off at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show going on in Marcus's neck of the woods, Las Vegas. Kohler introduced their newest bidet, the Pure Wash bidet. It's a seat like most other bidets. It's heated, has adjustable water pressure, and comes in either white or black. However, this one comes with Alexa or the Google Assistant. You can now use your voice to get the spray to your liking. Plus, it comes with a dryer, also voice activated. So, Marcus, are you ready for a voice-activated bidet? <laughs> I don't know that I'm ready for a manual bidet, let alone <laughs> a voice-activated one. Now, I do have some friends. We do have some friends out here that installed one recently. So, I have seen it in action, but I'll tell you, I'm still a little just creeped out by it. I'm not sure I'm ready for that. And I'm certainly not ready to announce a command to say, you know what, shoot my butt with some water. Like, <laughs> I just can't. I can't get past that. I did work for a radio station group at one point that did have one of those fancy toilets. I, I did really enjoy the heated seat. I'll tell you that. I but believe that. That sounds nice, especially, you know, and, and I know this, when you're in Wisconsin in the wintertime, that sounds amazing when you go in there. I, you know what? Frankly, I might sit down on the toilet even when I didn't have to go if I had a heated seat. <laughs> Although... When it comes to Alexa or the Google Assistant, I'm only interested in them being involved if it comes to that point where I need a fresh roll of toilet paper and they can somehow get it to me. If somebody yeah. didn't, didn't replace it, if they can help with that, sure. Otherwise, no, I don't need them talking to me. I don't know, man. I have like 2001 A Space Odyssey in my head right now. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Open the pod bay doors. Uh, Stop squirting me, Alexa. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I do not need to be attacked by my own bidet. Well, the next story for Weird Wednesday, I'm, I'm sure we all heard the excuse, my dog ate the homework. What about eating your money? For one Pittsburgh couple, the dog ate $4,000 in cash. They had the money in an envelope, and it was filled with $150 bills to pay workers who were installing a fence and requested to be paid in cash. That doesn't seem fishy at all. <laughs> they left the envelope on the kitchen counter, and when they returned 30 minutes later, their 7-year-old golden doodle, Cecil, decided that it would be his next meal. Clayton Law told KDKA-TV, I walked back into the room, and then all this cash was on the ground. He was just like this, standing there. And I was like, oh my gosh, 
He ate some of this money and was in shock. I yelled to Carrie, he ate the money. He ate $4,000, end quote. They were able to recover $3,550, but it wasn't easy or fun. Just wait till you get to this, Marcus. They were able to reassemble $1,500 of shredded bills. That's the easy part, I guess. Oh God. They replaced that by going to the bank. They got a couple of $100 bills back when the dog vomited, but the rest, well, it was very dirty work and a lot of waiting. For the next few days, Cecil and Carrie went through the dog's droppings, washed the bills, and taped them back together. Oh, no. Oh, when talk- no. <laughs> I know. When talking to the Washington Post, Carrie joked, I never thought I'd be able to say that I laundered money, but there is apparently a first time for everything. <laughs> she also said they weren't upset with the dog. Quote, we couldn't be mad at him. He's a very lovable dog. People often tell us there's a human trapped inside our dog. She also said that they kept at least one of the torn up bills and planned to create a piece of artwork and frame it to remember what happened. <laughs> I, I don't know that that I don't want to get those bills framed myself. Yeah, I know that that seems a little bit extreme to me. But hey, you know what? I'm, I'm a dog guy. So I, I guess whatever. As for the bills that they had to do the dirty work on, I'm not looking forward to the Treasury Department worker that has to deal with this, but they plan on <laughs> mailing them to somebody and hope that they will replace those bills. Well, you know that this can't be the first time that something goofy like this has happened, and maybe not this exact thing, but I, I'm sure there have been some dollar bills that have been through the ringer, so to speak, a few times, <laughs> and uh, seen some things, man. So, yeah, I, I it's pretty wild, and I, I just, I, I don't know, I, I have dogs, of course, but they're not the type that would ever just chew up cash. I, I Sometimes I think it must be just a nervous habit for, for some dogs out there was, when they eat some of these things. It was probably upset that they were putting in a fence for him so he can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's not going to happen. I'm chewing this up. <laughs> You're not going to be able to pay these people and they'll take it right back down. Speaking of, you know, mailing the bills, here's a story about mail from 80 years ago. Now, it's kind of a heartwarming story, but it still is weird. It only took 80 years, but a letter that was mailed to an Illinois couple in 1943 was finally delivered to a member of the family. The DeKalb Post Office recently found the letter and decided to find family members so it could be delivered. Grace Salazar from Portland, Oregon, ended up being that lucky family member. She ended up sharing it with Jeanette George, the daughter of the couple that it was addressed to. She told WIFR-TV in Rockford, a message from the past seemingly showing up out of nowhere. That's pretty incredible. Everyone was like, my God, you know, gobsmacked. Just like, what is this? End quote. If you are curious what the letter contained, it was a cousin who was writing to express their condolences after Georgia's firstborn daughter died of cystic fibrosis. I get emotional about it. I mean, losing a child is always horrific, Jeanette George said. It sort of put me in touch with my parents' grief and the losses my family went through before I was even born, end quote. As to why it wasn't delivered, the post office worker said the letter had a street name, but no house number. I'm going to let him pass on that one. I get that. Now, possibly if you had the street name, the mail carrier may recognize the name, but I, I'll give him a pass on this one without having a full address on it. Okay, yeah, no address on it, but then what? You just took it back to the mail room and left it there for 80 years? I, yeah, I don't know how it didn't get tossed or something. I don't know why it was just sitting yeah. there for 80 years. Right, or return to sender. Maybe there was no return address, but at, like you said, at that point, then wouldn't you 
end up throwing it away or trying to deliver it if you knew the name of the person. That's all a little strange. But hey, you know, it's still a cool story. It kind of takes me back, though, to Seinfeld when Newman got in trouble because Jerry took over his route and he delivered too many letters. (laughs) (laughs) Or Kramer stopping the mail. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know, if we're going to do Weird Wednesday, we have to talk about some of those weird Guinness Book of World Record claims out there. You know, just so we can ask the question, why? So Brazilian YouTubers broke the record of creating a 78.1 foot tower made from popsicle sticks. The host of the YouTube channel, Manuel do Mundo, said it took 16 people to create the tower. And the most challenging part was putting the tower up because they actually built it. You know, they assembled it and then they had to try to get it to stand. Ah, okay. Quote, it was too tall and had a lot of fragile connections. I mean, it was made out of popsicle sticks. It broke three times before we could put it up and shortly after it fell due to wind. Luckily, the measurements could be done just in time. End quote. The previous record happened in June of 2023, so that one didn't stand very long. That one happened in Canada with a structure that measured 41 feet and one inch. The last story for Weird Wednesday, again, dealing with Guinness Book of World Records. Last week, we talked about the person that sang for days. Well, this record breaker decided to bake for 55 hours straight. Michelle Hanley from Texas started cooking on December 28th and kept baking tasty treats. Or at least I'm assuming they were tasty. She did that for 55 hours straight. The Mansfield police chief was on hand to verify the feat, which still needs to be reviewed by the Guinness World Records. The previous record came in September of last year and lasted for 47 hours, 21 minutes, and 21 seconds by Alan Fisher, an Irish chef at his restaurant in Japan. At least this record is useful. Cooking something is a practical talent. It's not like building popsicle stick tower. Sure. Yeah. But doing it for 55 hours, I I just, I don't understand any of this anymore. Like the, the Guinness world record, but I mean, we did this a few weeks ago where we talked about what the origins of that book were. And now you just got people doing all this bizarre stuff just to get their name in the book. Is it really that big a deal? Who cares that... Hey, by the way, if you check out page 1,436, (laughs) you'll see my name for being the person who baked for 55 straight hours. Like, okay, cool. And also, did the Mansfield police chief have nothing else going on for 55 straight hours? (laughs) No crimes. I I, I mean, if I'm a criminal in that town, that's when I'm going to work. I would have to say this feat probably originally started by uh, a chef that had to work for 21 hours straight or something. And then people just, you know, kind of build on it from there. So maybe this one did have a practical starting point is that this chef works for so many hours because the restaurant is so popular. So I'm not saying it did, but it seems feasible that this one could have started that way. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But even if I was with one of these people who set one of these records and they told me about it, I think I'd shrug my shoulders and be like, cool. Cool story, bro. (laughs) Yeah, what do you want me to do with this information? Taking a look at this day in history, on January 10th, 1946, Project Diana took place. If you're unfamiliar with the project, it was named after the Roman moon goddess Diana and was an experimental project by the U.S. Army Signal Corps aiming to bounce radar signals off the moon and receive the reflections. It marked the first attempt in radar astronomy and active exploration of another celestial body. A transmitter, receiver, and antenna array were constructed at the Evans Signal Laboratory in New Jersey. The first successful echo detection occurred on January 10, 1946, 
Project Diana marked the inception of radar astronomy, paving the way for mapping Venus and contributing to the U.S. space program. The project demonstrated that terrestrial radio signals could penetrate the ionosphere, enabling radio communication beyond Earth. It also introduced Earth-Moon-Earth, or EME, or Moon Bounce Path, utilized in various communication systems. Subsequent military initiatives like Paymore Passive Moon Relay sought to eavesdrop on Soviet communication via moon reflections. The U.S. Navy's Operation Moon Bounce, inaugurated in 1960, utilized the EME path for military communication until the advent of satellites in the early 60s. Today, the Project Diana site is part of the Camp Evans Historic District and the InfoAge Science History Learning Center and Museum, maintained by the Ocean Monmouth Amateur Radio Club. However, the original antenna array is presumed lost. For some reason, as I'm reading that story, the only thing that comes to mind, clearly I watch too much TV, is Futurama and the aliens from Omicron Percy 9 and 8 getting those old TV signals, you know, from thousand years ago. And I'm getting upset when one of them gets interrupted. That's all I can think of when I read this story. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it hey, is anytime cool. There's a, it, it is cool. And anytime there's a Futurama reference, that's all right by me. It is interesting to see how basic beginnings, like just shooting radio signals to the moon, did help advance our space program in general. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One step at a time, right? And then we're, we're talking about potential uh, moon landings again here from civilian companies or private companies in the near future. So you're right. I mean, you look back on the history of everything and how this transpired. It's, it truly is uh, maybe even a half step at a time to arrive at where we are now. That'll do it for this edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home. You can reach us at coolstuffcommute at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook and Instagram page if you're interested we as do. well. Yes, we do. I finally started them. So if anyone wants to search for them, follow us. Maybe we'll post some interesting articles that we don't get around to on our Instagram or Facebook pages. I'm Reggie Rizzo. He's Marcus Path. We'll be back with another edition of Cool Stuff Ride Home tomorrow.